I came up with a couple of really horrible ideas and gifts for moms. Hopefully, none of you did this today. Hopefully, none of you gave your mom a treadmill. Just what that communicates, what you're saying from just your heart. Hopefully, none of you gave them a new vacuum, because that's what every mom wants is a new vacuum. Maybe not an alarm clock, right? Or maybe the, the sweet little Carter kid. Maybe you're getting a new baby. That, wouldn't that be exciting? It's always interesting to me that people come up and they want you to have another child. You guys should have another baby. I always go, you should have another baby. <laughs> and we're going to put that in the prayer tower and start covering that on a daily basis. Uh, I read a couple of things about Mother's Day that are really interesting. Overseas and around the world, there, there's actually a, a long history, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But it dates back to Mother's Day and why we're celebrating. It's been called Mothering Day. In former Yugoslavia, uh, on Mothering Day, the children would tie the moms up until she promised to give them treats, and then they would release her. And that was, that was Mother's Day, and so hopefully that has changed I thought some of the ideas that the kids had were really, really good. I love the idea of, hey, I don't have a job because I'm eight, but I'm going to make up a gift card for my, for my mom. And so maybe, maybe I set the table. Maybe I wash the dishes. Maybe I fold some laundry. Maybe I rub your feet. Maybe uh, I, I, I do something that you typically do just to say that I love you. And if you're anything like my wife, it's not just doing it, it's doing it before you're asked to do it. That's huge. That's huge. Kids, if you really want to honor your mom, 1 John 3.14 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. And so to know that your kids, for moms to know that their kids love God with all of their hearts, all of their souls, with all of their mind, with all of their strength, that they would be willing to engage in the great commission and the great commandment and carry out the mandate for the gospel, even as children, to walk in the truth of God's word and in his spirit as he leads them. You want to bless your mom? Walk with the Lord. Now, don't walk with the Lord just to bless your mom because we ultimately understand that throughout the last few decades in Christendom, especially in Western Christianity in our part of the world, is there is a very false sense of Christianity when it comes to what you do and that Christianity is about keeping task and not engaging in certain sins and making sure that you are a moral person. You can be a very moral person and not have a personal relationship with Christ. We're not talking about being good, we're talking about being godly. And so it's not that we desire to honor our mom for walking by the Lord, but because we walk with the Lord, it honors our mom. I know that this is like many other holidays, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Baby Dedication Day, for some people that struggle with infertility, um, this is an incredibly difficult day to come to church. And if the truth be told, if we could hear your hearts cry, um, if you could miss today, and, and people do, you would. And it's not that you're not happy for other people. It's not that you're not celebrating with other moms and families and grandmothers 
It's that you have a longing deep inside of you. And while it's impossible for me as a man to fully grasp what you walk through, I know that there is a God in heaven who loves you, like deeply, truly loves you, and understands what you're walking through, and is there with you, and will always be there with you. Sam Crabtree says, Mother's Day is not primarily about being a mother and receiving honor, but thanking God for the mother he's, he has given you and giving honor. The people giving honor should include all moms. Persons receiving honor as moms should also be giving honor for the mom, their God-given moms. Jody Picoult, I found this, this um, quote this week, says, being a mom is 24-7. Can I get an amen, ladies? And once you sign on to motherhood, that's the only shift they offer. That's it. That is it. Aren't there times that you just wish you could just kind of take off your mom hat for a little while and no one mess with you? Just leave you alone. Just give me a second. And when I say a second, I mean like two hours. <laughs> I, need, I need you I need, this is, this is kind of what I do. And so sometimes um, if, if my kids, I can, I, we all kind of know when our kids are stalling and when they really need help. Sometimes if my children will come to me and they need help with their homework, um, typically I'll say, what would you do if I wasn't here? And then they'll answer me and then I say, we'll do that. That's what you should do. And I know there are times that moms feel like that. I also know from everything that I read and everything that, that I've talked to moms over the years, because, I mean, who knows more about moms than a bald 39-year-old pastor man who has never been one and will never be one, right? I mean, who knows more about perfection in a mom than someone that has never done it? I think there's a lot of pressure on women today, an incredible amount of pressure on women to be a certain type of mom. And if you're not careful, it completely takes over your mind and your heart, and you are in the rat race of trying to perform certain things and act in a certain way to live up to the standards of what the world has to say. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When we look at this passage, the first thing we see is that godly moms, not perfect moms, but godly moms find their identity in Christ, not in worldly pursuits. That godly moms find their identity in Christ, not in worldly pursuits. A minute ago, I referenced that there's a lot of pressure on moms these days. I, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't feel like there's ever been a time uh, in my life, in, in, in anything that I can tell, where there has been more expectation for moms to be anything other than moms. If, if, a, if a woman wants to be a career woman, praise God. She can do that. She should have the right to do that and pursue that. But if a woman wants to be a mom then praise God for that too. She shouldn't be belittled for that. She should be honored for that. I think there's more pressure on moms today than there possibly has ever been that you have to be feeding your, your kids this type of food. That you, if you really love your kids, you won't give them this type of food. 
And if you really, really love your kids, then you need to choose this type of schooling for them. Or if you really, really love your kids, then you need to make sure to not use this type of medication. You need to be using these type of remedies. I think about some of the things today, like something that I don't understand is when you go to birthday parties today and the kids that go to the birthday party leave with a gift. Can somebody explain that to me? It's like, well, that's just being a gracious hose. No, it's not. It's about adding more pressure to moms. Here's your gift, kids. Here's your gift. You got invited to the party. Congratulations. You made it. You're one of the top 25 friends. Because here's what happens. Moms tell me, now listen, and here's the thing. We're not going to admit this, right, ladies? Here's what happens. It's one of two things. Either you've looked at Pinterest or you've looked at Facebook and you're seeing all these other moms do all these other things. And so you just got to amp it up. What? No. You, you, you just, you have to keep up. And so really, it's not that you just care about these other little rugrats that are coming to your house and getting your house dirty and eating all your, your cake and, and spilling soda and somebody stepping on your dog's foot and you got to go to the veterinarian afterwards. It's not that you really care about those kids. It's that you don't want to look like a bad host. Or, or an hour before the party, you run to the Dollar Tree as fast as you possibly can, and you pick up five little things. Here's some bubbles. Here's a wand. Here's a little windmill. And, and the people get the, this grab bag of stuff that doesn't even make sense. Why? Because you want to be viewed as a good host and a thoughtful mom. Ladies, God wants your identity to be in him. Not in your Facebook post. Not in our false Instagram world that we live in. Not in your Twitter feed. Not so you can have close to what a Pinterest has the idea that's going to be a perfect little holiday for your child. And when you factor in leap year, it's not even their real birthday anyway. What am I saying? We're all older than we really are, at least by a few days. When we find our identity in the person of Christ, then the world doesn't get a chance to speak into who we think we are. The world can't define us because the world didn't make us. We were created by God for God. And the idea that we have to run around and try to win the approval or appreciation or the win the gaze of people that are other created people that were created by God and for God is silly and it's foolish and we're all caught up in it. And you're, some of you are in here going, not me, I don't really care. No, that's, that's, there, there you are. You don't care and you want people to not think you don't care. But we do. That's your identity. That God cares more about us being seated with him in the heavenlies than whether our kid goes to private school or Christian school or public school or home school. That our identity is in the person of Christ. And when we allow the Father and his word to define who we are 
and how we think about ourselves, then first off, we understand a couple of things. That we're not as good as we think we are. We're definitely not as good as we want people to perceive that we are. But we are good enough to die for and to redeem. And the beauty of that truth keeps us coming back for more. To say, Father, I know that I'm not, but I know that you are. And so I'm going to trust in who you say I am. Even though I don't feel like a victor, I'm going to walk in your victory. Even though I don't feel like an overcomer, I'm going to walk in the fact that you have overcome death, hell, and the grave. And I'm not going to allow people in my neighborhood or my social circle or the world to define who I am. Why would we want to listen to a world trying to define who we are anyway when, when the, the obscurity of what womanhood and manhood has become? In 2015, Glamour magazine named Bruce Jenner, who turned into Caitlyn Jenner, Woman of the Year. And they get to tell me what a woman is? Now, that's not a knock on the transgender community because they need Christ the way that you and I need Christ as well. But I'll tell you what it is. It's a knock on the idea that we're going to allow anyone else to try to tell us who we are to be other than God's word and his spirit. And so when, if we walk into the identity of what God is calling us to, it changes the way that we see people. It changes the way that we love people. It changes the way that we treat people. And not just people that can do something for us. We don't think of it like that. We begin to say, God, you've done so much for me that I've got to do something for somebody else. And not that I'm paying you back, but out of the overflow of how good you've been to me and how much you've blessed me. Father, my identity is in you. I'm seated with you in the heavenlies. And I desire to live as you have called me and deemed me and mandated me to live as charged by the gospel of Christ. The second thing we see is that Godly moms understand that submission in marriage is submission to God. Everybody was with me on that last point, but all of a sudden I've lost a few friends. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about this anymore. But it's either God's word or it's not. Submission in marriage is submission to God. See, there's an idea that's floating around that, the, 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 uh, that God's word is backwards. And that it's chauvinistic, and it's anti-woman. When you, when you look at the Gospels, you see that Jesus appeared, he appeared first to some ladies. He said, hey, go tell the disciples. It's not because he couldn't find anybody else to appear to. He could have appeared whenever and wherever and to whomever he had chosen to appear to. He intentionally, he intentionally appeared to these ladies. So it's not a matter of weaker from the standpoint of they can't do what we can't do. It's a matter of roles and what God has called us to. There are things I will never be able to do. Me and my friends sometimes will talk about um, if you were to go out on a professional sports field, what sport would you begin warming up in and then immediately be exposed for being a fraud? How quickly would it take? I was better at football, but I loved basketball. I still do. It's so much fun to play. I enjoy it. I enjoy the, the competitive nature of it. I enjoy, uh, even if there's, if there's one or two seconds on the clock, I want the ball. I may miss, but I may hit it too. But I will never, ever play in an NBA basketball game 
it's not going to happen. Because from sixth grade to eighth grade, if you only grow two inches and you gain a hundred pounds, I'm not a physics major, but something's telling me that gravity still has it. It's not, it's not that it's not that I'm heavier than you guys, it's just that the earth is pulling me so much harder. If I was taller, if I was more athletic, if I was tougher, if I was stronger, if I was just overall better, I probably could do it. But because of those five uh, factors and many other ones, I'm never going to be able to run in the lane of professional basketball. Men, God has called you to run in a specific lane biblically, and the vast majority of us fail. And one of the reasons that ladies are the leaders of their home is because their husbands won't be. And that's an indictment on me too. That's an indictment on all of us when we fail to understand that God has called us to lead. And I can almost promise you, I know there probably isn't an exception, but Ephesians 5.25 says, Listen, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Any woman who has a husband that loves them the way that Christ loves the church would more than likely be willing to follow the lead of their husband. You mean you're willing to, to die for me? You mean you're willing to make any and every ultimate sacrifice for me? You mean I'm first on your mind? Those things, when we understand that, that submission in marriage is submission to God. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Listen to this. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respect and pure conduct. One of the things that we have discussions about with ladies far too frequent is the idea that their husbands won't lead or they're not walking with Christ. What do I do? Do I still need to submit to his leadership and to his, his place in our home as the leader? The answer is biblically yes. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I understand. I'm not saying that this doesn't even feel backwards. But the whole gospel is about taking the world upside down. And God does the possible with the impossible. It's not that it will happen. It's that it puts them in a position to see your love for them and your love for the Father. And anytime you want to express your love for someone, the best way you can do it is by living selflessly. If I wake up every morning and I decide that I'm going to die to my own flesh. And I'm going to love Jesus more than anything else this world has to offer me. And I'm going to put the needs of my spouse and my kids and my friends and my coworkers above my own. Then by us doing that in our respective circles, that in and of itself is us living the gospel and putting other people ahead of ourselves. Ladies, I'm, I'm sure that it's incredibly difficult. If I had an opportunity to sit down with couples and singles before and hear this, I understand that that's very, very difficult. But I'm telling you that God's word is true. Even if they are not obeying 
the word. Choosing to submit and follow God's plan for your life in marriage, it takes more than just being a weak-minded woman. And ladies, I'm telling you, there is an assault on masculinity, and there's also an assault in our country and our world on femininity and what God has called us to. God has clearly defined those things. And just like anything that God speaks to and defines, the world tries to redefine and redirect and recategorize. But the word is clear on these things. You should never feel ashamed for doing what you feel like God is calling you to do. You want to be an entrepreneur? Then be the best entrepreneur you can be. You want to be a saleswoman? Be the best saleswoman you can be. You want to be a CEO or whatever God wants you to do? Do that, but make sure you're doing it because God's giving you a passion for it, not because you feel the pressure of our world telling you that you are less than if you're not following any plan other than that one. That our identity and in our submission to the plan for God's for our own life has to follow within the realm of what God's calling us to. Steve Pierce said the wife's submission is not a matter of superior versus inferior. Rather, it is self-imposed as a matter of obedience to the Lord and of love for her husband. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful picture. You say, well, sure you do. You're a man. Sure you do. Guys, God's plan is better than ours. He simply knows more than we know. He doesn't just know more than we know. He literally knows everything. And if God has set forth, he, he, he put this construct together, this, this stable family, and he says, my plan and my design is one man, one woman for life, and these are the, the roles and the lanes that I desire for you to walk in, and these are the ways that it's going to honor me, and you're going to honor each other. And when we do that, it doesn't just affect our family, it affects the families around us. And it teaches our children to teach their children and their children. And this heritage begins to pick up to where we understand that the life that we're living is not a life that's going to be self-serving. It's a life that's going to be committed to, to carrying out God's desire for the home. The third thing godly moms see is that they trust God hears their prayers and knows their heart. There are times, probably for all of us, that we don't feel like God is hearing us. And sometimes we're praying and it's like our prayers aren't leaving the room we're in. Almost like we're talking to ourselves. It's like we're, we're this up, just up against this spiritual roadblock that we just can't bust through. And typically that happens when our back's up against the wall. Ladies, I know that you deal with things that men, that we don't fully understand and, and we'll never really deal with. But God hears your prayers. And more than hearing your prayers, he knows your heart. I put a reference in, in uh, your notes on 1 Samuel 1. Some of you are familiar, very familiar with this story. It's a story of uh, a man named Elkanah his wife, Penaniah, and his other wife, Hannah. Now, obviously, he's got two issues, and when I say issues, I don't mean that 
um, his wider issue, just the idea that he has multiple wives. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Those of you that may not have grown up in the church or unfamiliar with this, this Old Testament book. He has children with Penaniah. But 1 Samuel 1 says that the Lord has kept Hannah's womb closed. She's been able to bear a child. She's, she's struggling with infertility. And so they're going up for Holy Week and, and they're worshiping. And his wife with children would, would throw his, Hannah under the bus. Would hold it over her head that she couldn't give Elkanah children. And the word says that she would weep and she would pray. And they're sitting at dinner and this priest is watching her and she's sitting there with her eyes closed and she's, she's weeping and she's praying. She's praying and she's weeping. And, and the priest looks at her and says, are you drunk? Are you, have you drank too much wine? Is it time for you to go to bed? And he, she said, please, please don't hear your servant. Don't, don't think of your servant that way. And, and, and she begged God for a child. She begged God for a child. He didn't even ask her what she was praying for. He just said, may whatever you're seeking the Lord on, may he give it to you. And the Lord did that. And the Lord blessed her with a son, and she named him Samuel, which means because we asked the Lord for him. The Lord has given us, given us what we asked for. Notice how Hannah conducted herself. She remained faithful to the Lord even when things were horrible in her life. When her back was against the wall, when she was absolutely heartbroken, when she felt absolutely alone, when she felt separated, she felt devalued, she felt like maybe she wasn't uh, pursuing her purpose in life, and that the desires of her heart wasn't being met, she stayed faithful to the Lord. Second thing that we see is that she didn't run down Penaniah. She didn't run her down. She didn't get on social media of the day and say, let me tell you how I was treated today. Let me tell you how somebody treated me at the grocery store, how somebody looked at me. You know what she did when she was being uh, thrown under the bus by her rival? She sought the Lord. She didn't seek attention. She didn't seek pity. She didn't seek to humiliate the other person. She sought favor in his face, in his hand, in his heart. And because she did that, God honored her heart. God honored her desire. And she prayed earnestly. Psalm 61, 2 says, From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. I love the psalmist because there are times that they're on the proverbial mountaintop and there are times that you just feel like they're lower than the low. And it just says, my back is up against the wall. I need the rock. I need you to lead me to where I need to be and I know you are because right now I'm not there. And when we can understand that sometimes we get into these spiritual ruts where we just say, Father, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be. 
I want to be close with you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you intimately. I want to know you passionately. I want to know you the way that I read other people have known you in God's word. I want to know you the way that I see people, some of my friends or people in my Sunday school class, the way that they know you. I want to know you. Godly moms also understand that God calls for obedience, not perfection. pressure on moms to look a certain way and to act a certain way and be involved in X, Y, and Z has to be exhausting. Ladies, don't miss this. And guys, this is for us too. One of the greatest tactics that the enemy uses today is by making us busy and consumed with the day-to-day that we miss what God desires to do in us and to do through us. And that old saying is true, is if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Mom, if you want to rub oils on your your kids, rub oils on your kids. If you want to drink a shake in the morning that's going to help you maybe throw away your spanks, then drink that shake in the morning. And I love the passage in Proverbs 31. And we're going to reference it here in a minute. But ladies, you understand, this is the ideal. This is not a real woman. This is something that we aspire to. But there are times, if you're not careful, you can read God's word. And if you don't allow it to sit on your heart the right way, it becomes condemning instead of encouraging. There's two ways, two things that happen when we read God's word. It either pushes us away from the Father or draws us closer in. And it's all on the mindset that we read it because there are things in God's word that would be easier for me if they weren't in there as well. But we don't get to take a a black magic marker and to mark through the areas that, that are not convenient and convicting and tend to point out our own flaws. You see, I don't get to take God's word and change it to make it fit my life. I have to take my life and change it to fit God's word. And the way that that happens is not by us knuckling down and trying extra, extra hard. The way that that happens is by getting in God's word and allowing it to wash over us. And slowly that transformation begins to happen where we look less like the world and more like the word every single day. And the day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, which is sweeter than the day before. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, and Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. So if I had to say that in, in 2017, what does that mean? Hopefully, I didn't put this on the list of things not to give your mom for Mother's Day, but I guarantee you none of them are wanting a five-gallon bucket of the fat of rams. But here's what it's saying. It is better for you to obey the Lord than than for you to make sacrifices to him. What does that mean? Just walk in him and do right. 
that no amount of service to the church, to the body of Christ, Bibles bought in the honor of someone is going to take the place of you and I obeying the Father day to day as he's calling us to. To not get caught up in the busyness of doing for the kingdom that we forget that we're living as the kingdom. That God calls us to be the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not this, this obscure idea that, that is unobtainable and that one day we'll be partakers of. Even right now we are walking in the kingdom of God in the spiritual realm. Godly moms, lastly, should be honored. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Godly moms should be honored. When we honor our, our moms, our, our parents, when we do that, we're honoring the Father. We're not just honoring them. We also are honoring the Father. You see this in Exodus chapter 20. As I said a few weeks ago, the first command, the first horizontal command, dealing with the Ten Commandments as it related with other people, it says, honor your father and mother, that your days might be long on the earth. If godly moms are to be honored, and by doing that, that we honor the father, Literally, literally none of us would be here without our moms. Now, we didn't meet here today just to talk about motherhood and moms and how to be perfect and not really perfect, but to be godly and to pursue holiness. You see, any of these truths are not just for moms on Mother's Day. They're true for all of us. That God is calling all of us to himself. And then hopefully when we read God's word and we open it up together, we can see that the Father desires for us to look more like him and less like us. And when we allow the world to get into that mix, then there is, there's just no way that both can have equal place and footing in our homes, our hearts, and our lives. Because in God's economy, he's calling us to a place that's always deeper. He's always trying to bring us further along in our faith journey with Jesus. He's always trying to take us somewhere new. And if I, if you and I are spiritually mature as we were a year ago, as we are today, then we've grown none this year. And it takes the, the reminding, it takes the reading of God's word where we come together and where we encourage one another, where we build another one another up. There's so many one another's in Scripture that you realize that God's not calling any of us to do life on our own. And not just motherhood or fatherhood. Because I know that for some single moms, I grew up in a single, uh, single mother household. I know for si some single moms, it is incredibly difficult because you're spinning multiple plates wearing multiple hats. That's not what God wants for you. But it's the situation that you're in for whatever reason. 
Maybe it was a decision you made. Maybe it was a decision that was made for you and it was out of your control. And as I said in the beginning, God knows who you are, where you are, and what you need. And you and I should be so incredibly quick to run and to fall at his feet and trust in his graciousness. Would you pray with me this morning? In a moment, we're going to sing, and, and Pastor Ken's going to come up and give us um, a couple of things to think about. Was there anybody in this room today that would say, I don't know Jesus I've spent my whole life trying to be defined by my accomplishments, by my children, by my husband, by my lack of a husband, by my lack of children. Wherever you find yourself, is there anybody in this room that would say, I know that I need a relationship with Christ? You may not know that that's your greatest need, but I'm telling you, based on God's word, it is everyone's greatest need. Maybe you're a man in this room and you came today thinking that it, it would be, you know, we'd honor moms and have them stand up, but, but God's word penetrated your heart today too. In a moment, we're going to be standing down here, some of our pastors, we'd love to pray with you, we'd love to encourage you, we'd love to know what we can do to, to help you take your next step with Christ. Maybe some of you have some deep-seated unforgiveness and resentment towards your mom or your grandmother or anybody else that you need to deal with, that you need to spend some time talking to the Lord. And maybe you've forgiven them, but it just washes back over you and you need to re-forgive. God will meet you there. God can say anything that he wants to say at any time. It doesn't matter the text, the topic, or the length of time. I don't know what God wants to do in your life today, but I know he expects you to listen to him. And that God's not calling you to identify with, you, with himself so that he can expose you, but he's calling you to identify with himself so that he can embrace you. That's the God we have. That's the God that, that we love. That's the God that created us to know him and to make him known with our lives. Father, we're grateful for you and your spirit and the fact that you, Father, consistently call us lovingly to yourself. Father, my prayer is that your people would leave encouraged today that your way is simply better. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that Jesus, they would, they would surrender to you. They would wave the white flag of their heart and their life and stop running from you and turn and run to you. And I know that you meet them there. Father, I pray that 
you would glorify your son during this time. Your word says that if we lift you up, that you draw all men to yourself. So God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.